0: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Internet,
1: and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar.
0: I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe.
1: And joining us today is Nate Ingram from Engadget, our Deputy Managing Editor uh, how's it going, Nate?
2: Oh, I can't complain. How are you guys this morning?
1: I'm okay. Sherlyn is basically in full-on Howard Stern recline mode again. So.
0: I find y'all far too chirpy. Yeah, so... Far too chirpy.
1: We're we're getting going. Today we've brought Nate on to talk about Sonos and everything they're doing with their legacy products. They announced this week that some of their oldest products, that are about 10 years old, won't be getting any updates, and... There are also a lot of caveats around that, too. Like, effectively, it's going to be hard for people to use those products moving forward. We'll also chat a bit about um, Saudi Arabia potentially hacking Jeff Bezos and what that means for cybersecurity and the state of the world that we're living in. Oh, boy. Yeah, things are things are wild. Very um, light episode. Very. We're going fantastic. from dying gadgets to, yeah, insane dictatorships. Uh, yeah, just another episode of the Inkadget podcast.
2: That's one of those headlines that I feel like would not have existed 10 years ago yeah. or even 5 years there's ago.
1: A, there's a lot we're
2: talking about,
1: not just in the show, but in real life that just, yeah. Donald Trump is doing what? Because he's who? Huh? Anyway, as always, if you've been enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. For Podbean users, uh, I've heard that there were some issues with our feed, but apparently it's been fixed now. We yelled at them about that. Spotify has been really weird about updating the show, so I don't... I don't know what's up with Spotify. Um, seriously, folks, Pocket Cast. Pocket rules. No, rolls. I'm
0: on Spotify. It makes me sad I to wait a whole day after we get the episode. Yeah, there, there's web, no so other
1: way for Sherlin to listen to the episode rather than sit and wait for Spotify to update. I end up
0: going to Google Podcasts. You know how sad that is for me to be like going to my second choice podcast. Just another today.
1: sad day in Sherlin's life.
0: Uh, I'd like to shout out to the two reviews that we got on iTunes. I read them. I see them. Be nice or not. It's up to you, but I see them. Hi.
2: Hi. Sherlin okay. isn't always the nicest, though, so you know he wow. can do do what you see fit. <laughs>
0: I've been nothing but nice to you, Nate. I think. Yeah, I know
2: <laughs> it's been a good week.
1: So, Nate, you are our resident Sonos reporter. You've been to their headquarters quite a bit. You've reported on a lot of like all of their new tech. And you hit this bit about them stopping the updates of their legacy products. Can you lay out what the deal is here? What products aren't going to be supported moving forward? And what does this mean for people with these devices? Yeah,
2: so starting at a high level, um, Sonos originally, uh, we know the most as a speaker maker at this point. But when they got started in the mid-2000s, They made a lot of devices meant for connecting uh, standard, non-smart speakers to the internet so they could be grouped together and stream music and that sort of thing. Uh, So products like the Sonos Connect Amp, the Sonos Bridge, uh, the Sonos Remotes that they used to use for controlling their wireless systems, the Zone Player, which I believe is one of their first official products, and one speaker, the first-generation Play 5, As of May, none of those uh, devices will receive new software updates. So what that means is that they will continue to work as they do now, but new features that are added won't work. I suppose if Sonos adds more supported music services, those might not be available. It's not entirely clear what it's going to look like, but the um, you know that's kind of the the main highlight. And the second thing to know is that because lots of people have multiple Sonos devices in their house, if you have newer devices, let's say a current generation Play Five, the Sonos One that uses Alexa and Google Assistant, uh, any of those newer products, if they're on the same network as part of the same system as your legacy products, those Newer products also aren't going to get the new software features, which is potentially, um, I'd say, a bigger problem.
0: That doesn't make any sense. So yep. the newer products that should be able to get these uh, updates otherwise will no longer be as long as they're connected to the same well, network as an older I th- product.
1: I think it makes sense because of the way Sonos works, right? So what Sonos does is it effectively creates a like a local network, network of of wireless audio devices, right? So if one thing is slow, then everything has to slow down to that to that speed. Yeah. It's like if you're on if you're on a highway and there's a very slow car in front of you and you, you can only news. go at that speed. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Nate. And I, I do think like this is um this also follows the news about their recycling mode, too. Right. Which pissed a lot of people off. Um, we wrote that up. Steve Dent wrote that up for us. And that was a whole thing where they basically enabled this mode that kills your device forever. Um, recycling mode takes your data off. It it does a good thing for data privacy, but it also kills that device, and it means like recycling. You know, companies you can't resell it. It means nobody can reactivate that that device. So, so it breaks it. It bricks it completely, irrevocably. Uh, there there is no coming back from it. And a lot of people have found that to be a pretty unenvironmental thing. But that that was announced months ago, and now I think, in light of this whole how they 're going to be handling updating of older devices, I think it makes a little more sense, but it's still to me it 's still troubling any Any thoughts on that, Nate
2: Yeah, so the explanation they gave for why they 're doing the recycling mode is is kind of related to what they 're saying mm-hmm. about these new updates right they 're saying that you know if you have one of these legacy products in your system, it might bring the whole system 's overall performance and features. Uh, down with it so I think what they're what they've said to me anyway is something on the lines of like we don't want someone buying a product the second hand and having a bad experience with it mm-hmm. which like I understand to some degree but we're talking about a very small relatively speaking pool of products and I imagine that anybody out there looking for used Sonos devices that are more than five or ten years old probably knows what they're getting into um, I feel like this recycling mode thing just shouldn't be so cut and dried. Uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't be, um, you know, you either brick it forever or you don't get this discount they're promising with it. Um, it's a tough line. and I think that, you know, concern over that is kind of spilling over into this more recent announcement. Mm -hmm. And this is just my perspective was, I feel like there aren't a lot of consumer electronic devices that get software updates for more than 10 years. I know your phones don't, tablets don't, even a lot of computers don't. So that on one hand didn't feel unusual to me, but you brought up a good point before we started recording about, um, audio setups and how people used to buy speakers and use them for like their whole life. And, um, yeah, so those kind of people are probably going to run into some, you know, some concerns. And this is kind of the first time we're really hitting this, I mm-hmm. think, where we're talking about some of the oldest smart home devices out there. This is, yeah, this is the first generation of connected devices, basically.
1: Like, so it was before Bluetooth was everywhere. It was before, like, there, were, there was no Chromecast. There was no other way to get this thing, to get streaming audio to every room of your house and synchronize them and get all your speakers working nicely and not have to deal with many wires. Um, yeah, I will say, like, it's a very specific case right? Like the thing about Sonos is, I remember when the Sonos speakers started coming up and people were like, oh man, they sound amazing and I can control them with my phone. And it's also easy. And a lot of audiophiles and speaker geeks were saying like, you're spending how much money on something that is essentially, you know, a $200 bookshelf speaker with Wi-Fi built in. Um, there were, back then, there weren't many other ways to deal with that. So today, Um, Most home theater receivers, it's not that hard to find a receiver that has like AirPlay and Bluetooth and uh, Spotify Connect and all that fun stuff. So at home, like I have, you know, a very expensive setup with tower speakers and really nice uh, rear speakers for my home theater. What a show off. Yeah, it it costs it's a a system that costs over 2000 bucks, but those speakers will work forever, as long as I'm not dumb and blow them out. Like they just, they they plug in with wires and they plug into my amplifier and my amplifier is like the brain that can be upgraded over time to support new standards and whatnot. But the speakers themselves are, are like this, these like nice antiques that can live forever.
2: So what you just said about upgrading the amp is a really good point because that's essentially what the majority of what Sonos is saying, the yep. products that are affected here, yep. are devices like that. They're just wireless amplifiers that you know hook up to the internet and you can stream music to them. So yeah, if you bought one of those wireless amps ten years ago, it might be time to upgrade mm-hmm. it. Um, that to me, I mean, I, I I get the concern, but I also feel like it's not realistic to expect that piece of a setup to last forever. Um, I think that it'll be more of a concern in a few years once some of their other speakers yeah, yeah. start getting discontinued because then those are really products that like. Yeah, you know, like you said, you buy speakers, you can use them for 20 years or longer, 50 years. Uh, but some of these these Sonos ones eventually are not going to work anymore. The first generation yeah. Play 5 is just the first Do you remember, does that
1: first gen Play 5, does it even have line out or line in? Like, does it have three and a half millimeter?
2: I wish I knew. Okay. I honestly don't I know, remember. I know
1: for certain the Sonos, the Play 1 and the Play 3 have no three and a half millimeter jack. And longtime listeners of the show... We'll remember <laughs> how much I love that little Jack because it yep. it does everything. But here's the thing: you buy those Sonos speakers even today, like the lower end, what the the Play One, um, costs two hundred bucks. The Play Three is around yep. three hundred bucks. These are pricey, expensive things, and if you cannot connect to them wirelessly, as you won't be able to, um, you know, if you if you want to take these out of your setup and have newer Sonos speakers, basically all these old things are dead. They're completely yeah. dead. There's no, you can't do anything with them. So your only choice is to turn on Recycle Mode, send them to Sonos. You will helpfully get a 30% discount on new equipment um, if you don't feel completely burned by this whole process. <laughs> I, to me, a lot of this also feels like a problem of communication too, right? Because Recycling Mode came out of nowhere. People were turning it on accidentally too because they didn't quite know what it was. Um, people were trying to buy used Sonos devices and then were hitting this recycling mode that somebody else turned on because they didn't know. They thought they were just clearing out their data. Sonos did not communicate specifically what was going on. And then eventually, you know, the, sh- the other shoe dropped that, oh, yeah, they're killing older devices. So now it all makes sense. But I think um, people are
0: confused. I'm and still rightfully confused. so. I'm still confused. So clarify one thing for me. So uh-huh. when you said that, I mean, the story here is that older devices are not going to get any more software updates, right? How does that... I mean...
1: They won't... Fu- like, eventually, they just won't function. Is eventually. So, yeah.
0: like, well, how long are we talking about eventually?
1: We don't... Like, it, it all depends on Sonos. Like, e- that's what they're saying.
0: Right. So, for me right now, when I first heard the story, I was like, why is this such a big deal? I was trying to understand. I mean, I get where we're yeah, yeah, coming yeah. from. But I was also like, well, but they're still technically going to work if you're willing to stick to very old standards. For um, a while.
2: Like, yes. yeah. they'll work. They'll work as they have for right. an indeterminate amount of time. But I... I imagine if you just have all that old gear like it's not going to stop working anytime soon. Right. Um which is good at least. But then Also like, for mm-hmm. for the record the the original Play 5 does looks like has line in and line out. Okay. So that's nice cuz that that was a big speaker. That was that's helpful.
1: Thank you Nate. Um I will say like yeah, it's a thing like now that they've officially announced these devices are going to die, they'll work for a while but the thing is Sonus's app gets updated quite a bit. They add in new features, they add in new stuff. So I think you could eventually reach the point where even the app won't recognize these old, like these older devices and then you're just completely completely screwed.
0: Right now, the way things stand, it doesn't seem like uh, users are going to be that affected for the short term. Until, like, say, for example, your iPhone six right now probably doesn't work very well anymore, mm-hmm. even though it technically still does. It's just and that's not, not getting... even
1: that old. That's like four years. Old. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: yeah. And the Play Five actually shocked me because I was like, "Oh wait, that's not that old of a device." Well, there
1: there are multiple generations of it, so okay. there were several the things called gen. Play Five. Yeah. Okay. This is very first gen. Um, Nate, you kind of hinted at this before. Like, this isn't. I don't think this is new. For Sonos, like, this has happened to a lot of different companies. And I think it's going to happen. It, here's, our like, the big idea. Every connected device that you have, anything that connects to the Internet, anything that works wirelessly, anything that does something complex with apps uh, will die eventually. Like, it, it will lose support. Uh, the developers could disappear. Um, we, were, we were going down, like, we're trying to think of, like, fun names. For what this could be, um,
0: we we at first thought this this was something like planned obsolescence, but that wasn't really right. Yeah. It wasn't planned; they didn't plan this. More like but inevitable. It's obsolescence. like the doom the doom of <laughs> of all gadgets. To, like yeah. I don't know, like it's, Thanos, the death of oh, these devices is inevitable. Yes, a Marvel reference.
2: Yes, I think the important thing is right. Is, is anything that connects to the internet like this is like the key thing because it, re- it relies on some other app or service to function. And when that thing stops supporting it, then you're screwed. And it's easy to imagine somebody like tricking out their home with lots of smart home stuff that works with Alexa. And then in 10 years, Amazon has sold Alexa because (laughs) the government forced them to break into 15 different pieces and the company that inherits them doesn't care or like, who knows, right? We just don't know what's going to be like, but eventually your curtains (laughs) will stop being able to be controlled or your lights (laughs) won't work or your speakers won't work and, um, yeah, that could be super annoying for people who have invested heavily in these ecosystems. So I think companies are going to have to start thinking about how to communicate, like you mentioned, and like what's the upgrade path or uh, you know, even giving people some sort of guarantee from the start of how long these devices will be supported.
1: Yeah, I saw some heartbreaking tweets from people who were like, I spent $2,500 on a Sonos home setup, you know, 10 years ago, and now it's essentially, you know... Garbage. It's essentially like, oh, I can send these back and get a 30% discount on the new thing, but in another 10 years or so, those are going to die. And I think here's the big thing if you look at high end speakers right now or decent theater, home theater equipment, you can, if you bought a speaker 10 years ago, it will still work today. It will still sound as good today as it did before. If you bought a speaker 20, 30, even 40 years ago, people are running like classic clips speakers. Um, with modern apps, like it's those are basic standards. They just connect over speaker wire, which is a very stable standard that has existed for a very long while. Like these things just work. This is what we mean by things that just work. Um, we We need to talk more about like old tech and slow tech eventually. And I think this is like the difference.
0: I think basically. this all speaks to my my biggest, most pressing issue with just consumer tech these days is the the whole, like, update cycle, mm-hmm. that whole, like, forced update cycle. This feels like part of it where it seems like Sonos is just telling you, hey, we don't want you to hang on to those old, like, first-gen speakers. We want you to buy the new ones. Well,
1: I also – I think their concerns are legitimate. Yeah, Right? Sure. Like, there are all these new standards. There are all these new things. Wire- and they wireless can't keep standards. supporting them. It's true. Yeah, I are get completely that. different. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, my, but I, I'm okay with the kind of, like, oh, right, we can't keep supporting something that's 10 years old. But the whole, like, every two years we're going to mm-hmm. make you upgrade to a new phone – yeah, that thing was old, out of date. Sure.
1: Basically, the Samsung like entire right. Samsung's entire marketing machine well, is
0: Apple too. Uh, you, Samsung You and more. your hatred of Samsung. Samsung. How many and how many does
1: Samsung have? Uh, We've had in this one fight year, before. In one year, the Galaxy how ma- S. How number, many iPhones
0: are there? It's just three. And also, Samsung's not the only three. company. They're, Samsung's not the only company that does this. Huawei does it too. OnePlus yeah. also now. does Well, I'm saying all these
1: companies are like Samsung will release the Galaxy S twenty. Later this year, mm-hmm. and then five months later, there'll be the Note 20. Yeah, Apple and then they will be the, the Note Plus 10, yeah.
0: 10s, 10s Max, SE.
1: It's very because those are very clear, and you kind of know what mm-hmm. those are. Those all come out at the same time.
0: I see them as pretty similar, but that's because I hit the cycle yeah. that way. Yeah, but yeah, um,
1: yeah. Sherlyn once again cannot see the the forest for the trees.
0: Wow, Devendra, <laughs> I feel like you're always defending or or taking a crap on Samsung as always.
1: I'm not not even Samsung, just Android in general. So, this isn't just software as a service, right? It's basically it's not quite planned obsolescence. Uh we were saying, I think a better thing is like inevitable obsolescence, uh like Thanos. It is uh, inevitable that these
0: devices. I feel like we, we were playing with like names of what to call this, like mm-hmm. a snappy, punchy name, and like I, it's weird. It's like when I think of all the things that fall into this category, I think of like a hardware graveyard, like all the dead tech that there's sure. just bricks right now. Sure,
2: the island of misfit gadgets.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's there's anything that needs the internet to survive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> will eventually
1: die. When
0: you're when you lost connection, you go yeah. to that island to the die. The
1: only the only certain things in life are death and taxes, and the only things certain about connected devices are. Loss of Wi-Fi. Yeah.
0: Is there an app? This reminds me of when we were at, at CES yes. deciding on the best of CES awards, and every every device that we were looking at, Roberto Baldwin, who used to work for us, RIP, mm-hmm. would, would ask, is there an app? Would it be a brick without the app? And his, I, his main
1: it, standard for like what's a sh- shitty you know, connected device is, does it rely on an app? Which Can is it, a very good point. It's a good point. And it's true for everything. And I think it's true for a lot of other things that we've seen die uh, I remember the Logitech Squeezebox platform.
0: No idea what Nobody that is. knows what
1: that is. <laughs> that was the thing from like the mid-aughts to the like, um, basically 2015 is when they killed it. But it was their solution for wireless music before Bluetooth was big, before like, you know, Chromecast was out. Like it was, it involved setting up a server on your PC to stream music, two speakers that had like LED screens. And it was a very annoying thing. Like it it sounded good, but... As a user experience, it was nowhere near as easy to use or as like simple as like Bluetooth or Sonos or anything like that. Um, also, thinking of Pebble and their uh, smartwatches.
0: That my Pebble was like when they died, I was like. We wrote a eulogy for it. I felt so sad. The Pebble time round was actually one of my favorite early smartwatches. It was it also, so pretty. It
1: didn't last that long. Like, Pebble's lifespan yeah. from, like, you know, from crowdfunded project to dead was basically four or five years. Yeah. I know people with Pebble, you know, gadgets, they they didn't just, like, Pebble didn't just move on. Pebble killed all those devices because the service actually involved running things yeah. on on a server somewhere. It um, wasn't just
0: killing support. It literally was taking things yeah. offline. Completely. Kill the
1: devices. Yeah, Microsoft's Zooms effectively. Ooh. Yeah. Well, the music service is effectively dead. You're not going to get updates for it anymore. I think the devices still work because they have – Three and a half millimeter jacks. Oh, I need. I you. need like. I need like a special sound whenever I th- say three and a half millimeter jacks. I just want it to like sparkle. Aww. I just want it to sparkle because you could just plug in anything and they'll still work. Say three point five millimeter jack. Three point five millimeter. I'm not talking about zunes in some abstract way, folks. I I loved my zune and I had the original, the the brown zune. It was great because back in the day iPods did not work so well with Windows, and I was strictly a Windows user. So, this this is, you would agree with me, Sherlyn. iPods and Windows did not work, and iTunes on Windows were bad. So, Microsoft was late to the party with Zoom, but I think the original Zoom was kind of interesting. It was a cool, it looked so different from an iPod. How long ago was that? Oh, man. Don't, okay. Now I have to go look it up, Sherlyn. (laughs) God damn it. The first Zune actually launched uh, in November of 2006. So that was well after the iPod. They were slow out the gate there. But I had that thing. I didn't have it initially. but mm-hmm. I think I got it around uh, late, later 2006 or maybe 2007. It was a good little portable media player. And I will say, like, I went through a whole bunch. Like, I went through iRiver devices. I went through a lot of things that were not iPods just because I was a PC user and I needed something else. Same. It was this beautiful thing. It was a beautiful piece of Art. and i used that thing up until like i would say 2012 2013 like i used it for a while along with my iphone i did eventually go to an iphone but i think once iphone's had decent battery life once smartphones had decent battery life and better media support then i was like okay i might as well just give up on the zune you know the the server supporting zune is dead uh, all of microsoft's fitness devices like they they tried microsoft banned
2: baby
0: Sad. Very yeah. sad. Uh,
2: well, now we're all wondering what's going to happen to Fitbit, right? Now that Google exactly. Is I, I think. I don't think it's anything's going to happen in short term, but. No,
0: I mean, I think that's a very good question. I don't think that it's wise at all to to end support for any. Yeah, no, nothing's so going to happen to
1: Fitbit because, as we've discussed, Google sucks at wow. launching these things. What is With the so. vendor
0: today, just throwing attacks at me and my super savvy. I mean, I'm just
1: I'm just saying the truth.
0: Um, I remember this thing. I don't know if we, we uh, count this, but Firefox OS as a, as a, as a platform for phones. Yeah, they never launched. They never
1: launched, but I it was a like cool idea. I yeah.
0: might have been confused by having seen them uh, at too many events now, but I thought that they maybe had launched but maybe, I was just so intrigued by the idea. It was idea. a cool idea.
2: It was a cool idea for an open source phone OS. I think uh, gaming also, mm-hmm. right? Games mm-hmm. games uh, lose their online support. Some it's games, I mean, you games can't play them at entirely, all like, Eventually your consoles will stop connecting and being able to download yeah. updates. It's not just and MMOs
1: anymore. Yeah. I, I remember when like Enter the Matrix, the game, died, which was like, that was a really interesting connected experience uh, on, you know, earlier consoles. It wasn't even like modern devices, but it died and... You could do nothing with that disc. So, Nate, I know you have to run and, like, continue running the site and everything. Any any major takeaways from all of this?
2: I mean, what you were saying about having two great speakers hooked up to an amp that you can replace as needed as features get added you're interested in. feels like the smartest thing that Buy you can do if you're running really the audio. Yes. And, well, and I think that, like, more broadly... I think you need to think about devices. Does it really need this connectivity? Is it going to make your life better? Is it worth the trade-off for this inevitable obsolescence? That's kind of like, I think we all need to start thinking about our purchases in a more measured way like that
0: i mean i think that's the takeaway for us i just wonder if like what the message for companies then should be should they all be like thinking how far out should they be thinking when they make their new products
1: i do think like they need to think basically they need to think a little harder about how they do this stuff but i will say look at what survived communicated earlier right look at the things that survived and those are things that rely on standards not proprietary software like sonus's you know wireless like Mm -hmm. anything on Bluetooth. We'll continue working for a while. Anything, even, like, I, I, I would dare to say Chromecast is a standard, but it is. It is it's based least, on HDMI, it's at least. Open. It's, an, well, no, it's, it's open. Well, yeah. no, it's an open thing, like Chromecast Audio, like, for broadcasting audio. It's it's pretty, like, any company can use it. It's not closed off like Sonos. So I think closed standards are bad because they will kill your devices. 100%. Yeah. and <laughs> connect th- Send them to the obsolescence graveyard. Yes. Thank you so much, Nate. Thank you, guys. I think just following up on what I was saying about standards and kind of how everything works, like this is what Sonus is doing. It's a broader story about the smart home and kind of what made smart homes fail to launch for so long. Like we saw all these different standards at CES; people were using different things, um, nothing talked to each other, and now there is a, what was that? What was that
0: oh the new uh, standard that yes. Amazon and Google uh, Peichoip? Your favorite Peichoip. And hey. now there's
1: Peichoip, which could save the day, but. You know, think of all those old smart home devices, all those light bulbs, all those things that relied on specific apps like. Or hubs. Or hubs. Well, even light bulbs, like light bulbs could still work as light bulbs, but you wouldn't get all the fun LED features um, if the app stopped working. Just a quick update in a statement released last night, the Sono CEO, Patrick Spence, said, we heard you. We did not get this right from the start. He assured customers that the older Sonos devices will continue working after May. Uh, They're not going to be bricking them, and he really just wanted to make that clear. But he also added that uh, Sonos will actually be looking into doing bug fixes and security patches for those devices for as long as possible. And additionally, he added that Sonos is going to work in a way to let older products that aren't getting normal updates and newer devices... Uh, work together in a single network. And honestly, that's probably how it should have been from the start. He says more details will be coming in the next few weeks. While that doesn't fix all the problems we've been talking about, it's at least a big start, and it shows that consumers complaining about these things and vocalizing their rights uh, kind of leads to some sort of solution, even if it's going to be temporary. I guess, Sherlyn, tell us, this feels like it's all part of the smart home yeah. franchise you've been working on.
0: Yeah, so we did get up our smart home franchise finally this week. Uh basically a franchise for us is a package of stories that are related to a theme and so we've been working on the smart home theme package uh for a while now. And yeah, for me um my story was about how I turned my tiny rental apartment into a smart home because like it's challenging when you rent, right? You have landlords mm-hmm. that are in the way, you have there's so many rules that you have to stick to and watch out for. Um, But, like, just kind of to go back to what we were talking about just a little bit. Yes, P-Choip. I can't believe that you said P-Choip will save the day. But it might. I think that open standards are important. and But the thing is that, like, the trouble is companies are so eager to beat each other to the punch that they want to come up with something first. They want to be the first to yep. do something. And they don't care if it's proprietary or not. They don't care really about the user experience. They don't, they don't care just if it want... works. They don't
1: care if it'll break. Right. That's really Samsung. annoying.
0: Yeah. That's... Deeply annoying. And I think, though, like, um, I've been surprised in in trying to turn my apartment into a smart home mm-hmm. that, like, some of my older light bulbs actually work with, like, Google Home, mm-hmm. the app itself. So there are some companies that feel like they're doing this thoughtfully. I'm not going to say that Google is just because, like, it might be, but I don't know that. Like, I, don't I know think how much Google had to support to a lot
1: of the early standards yes. just so they don't leave anything out and also because they didn't have that th- that many third party devices at first right, so like as it was to up to them yeah it was up yeah. to Google to like say okay we're going to just work with as many things as we can which is yeah good yeah, for them.
0: Yeah absolutely so um, I mean that was my thing I, I think that companies need to think about a grander plan and think more about the customer than trying to be first and beat the competition uh, I mean I see the value in that but uh, just no. Uh, back to our smart home franchise, though we have a bunch of stories coming up this week. Uh, we already got you know Nate himself. Uh, actually wrote uh the best smart speakers roundup. Hopefully there will be <laughs> no Sonos.
1: No, there there will be Sonos because they <laughs> here's the thing, they're, they're still good, good speakers. Good. It's just now you know you know the value proposition. Like within 10 years, uh, if your Sonos does not have a a 3.5 millimeter jack, like it it may be dead and you'll just have to upgrade.
0: You said 3.5 mm. I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to. Anyhow, if you've been thinking about getting your own home all smartened up, check out our package. It's uh, running all week on the website. Go to engadget.com.
1: Now let's move on to another big story in the tech world this week, and that is the report from The Guardian that Saudi Arabia hacked Jeff Bezos's smartphone using WhatsApp. Oy. They hacked his iPhone 10. This is the wildest story, or at least one of the wildest stories I've heard in the tech world for a while, um, because it brings in a lot of topics we've been talking about, like cybersecurity and the need for better management of cybersecurity tools, and also, like, you know, Jeff Bezos and, like, the sheer amount of power this guy has. Jeff Bezos is walking around with an iPhone, just running WhatsApp, and apparently, Is it an
0: iPhone? Are you sure it's, it's, an, it's iPhone? an iPhone 10? Okay.
1: Yeah. Also, if you re- if you had read the materials, Trillin, you would.
0: Oh shoot. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I I suspect that the um, exploit was was because maybe Bezos, my best friend, uh, backed up his chats to Google Drive because I feel like that's the one vulnerability on WhatsApp. But who knows? No. no, no.
1: Don't don't don't. <laughs>
0: I'm speculating. Don't
1: speculate. When we know, <laughs> we know specifically what it is okay. is written down. Well, then you go. Just like yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do the reading, Shirlin. This is not. college and you did not do the reading. I did so not. didn't. Didn't want to look at something. This American is how Sherlyn um, All I do is... survived college.
0: That's true. Coasted Just on Just asking questions. Coasted on my butt. But looks. is it really? Oh, uh-huh. sorry.
1: <laughs> So Sherlin clearly didn't do the reading today, but I did. So we we could talk about a couple things here. This all started with Jeff Bezos and the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, aka MBS, texting together on WhatsApp. They just have they're just bros. They're just super rich bros, texting about you know which life, Rolls
0: Royce to get, which horse they want to go bareback work riding on, you know. <laughs> That's that's the sort of stuff. Really, they talk. what
1: did they talk about? But apparently, at some point in 2018, Jeff Bezos re- received an unsolicited video message over WhatsApp from this account. I so, wonder what that
0: could be, like what the video could be. Yeah,
1: it's a lot of I things. I want to know. Um, but what's interesting is that first of all, this came through the Saudi Crown Prince's WhatsApp account. So. It's unclear if, like, he was directly involved because, you know, he has he has people. He has people who handle all of these things too. So, like, it could have been the the f- folks from his security service too who have been tied to a lot of surveillance and a lot of issues um, around critics of the Saudi government. What is interesting here too, because I've read the uh, the technical breakdown of the hack uh, from the uh, the security firm that kind of reviewed all this. WhatsApp is a really interesting attack vector because the files get downloaded automatically to your phone. You don't have to, like, that. hit accept. They just come well, straight in.
0: that's only if you have it turned on. Like, there's a setting in WhatsApp that allows uh-huh. you to turn it off. I turn it off for my family because my mom's always forwarding <laughs> dumb Facebook videos to me, so I, I apparently, it, disable that.
1: Apparently, Jeff Bezos. Not for did, not for Jeff Bezos. Did not. And the malware, so the forensic analysis of the malware in that video file is likely related to Pegasus 3, which is a spyware device, developed by the Israeli intelligence firm NSO, which is kind of ironic that Saudi Arabia is using that. There's there's a lot of stuff happening here. So once that spyware hit his phone, it just started spitting out data, like tons and tons of data. It started slow, and then it ranked up to being gigabytes of data. It was on his phone for over a year. Like, this, this was a pretty big, long attack and by it's, the Saudi And it's government. been
0: quite a year for Bezos. Hasn't there been a <laughs> lot of stuff that, like, wouldn't you like to get an inside look?
1: Interesting. Interesting you'd mention that, uh-huh, Shirley, because uh-huh. it almost seems like a lot of this is tied. First of all, Jeff Bezos is not just the richest man in the world. He's not just the CEO of Amazon. Mm-hmm. He also owns the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And the Washington Post has been highly critical of the Saudi government. And six months after this attack started, um, you know, the Washington Post journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, was killed in the saudi consulate and this was a wild story because um for a while saudi arabia completely denied it and then eventually like once there was a ton of evidence and security cam footage um of like just a really horrific thing like go read on that because it is it is something straight out of the born identity um they said it was rogue intelligence agents who were involved in that killing but in actuality th- there's Really good evidence that points to like this all starting from the information taken from Jeff Bezos's phone, and it's not just that too. Um, you might remember the whole tabloid uh, spectacle of Ooh. Jeff Bezos's marital affair. I don't know, was it technically a fair? I think it was just a relationship with a uh, with a journalist. And uh,
0: yeah. I, yeah, I think that the the, uh, the wording is mistress, uh, mistress that people are using. Lauren Sanchez, the former television anchor. Mm-hmm. Um... But, yeah, I, I don't think that was anything that he wanted to come to light anyway.
1: Not not really. And this is – it's wild, too, because then after they were leaking the data, then the MBS account sent Bezos, like, a meme Oy. that was like – do not you hate it when women are like this? Oh, yeah. And the woman in the meme looked just like Lauren Sanchez. And It was like, "Dude, bruh. It was he, what are you was he What baiting? are you saying here?" Yeah, he's yeah.
0: probably baiting them. They
1: were they were definitely baiting him. And then there was another message later being like, "Oh no, no, no. It's not us. We're Don't listen to those stories about Saudi Arabia. This is whole this is a whole thing. It's kind of wild." And it kind of all so the Guardian story goes up. Um everyone kind of freaks out too because this is is It's weird to say because uh, Saudi Arabia has already been implicated in the murder of a journalist and a horrific murder of a journalist. And MBS has also been tied to that. They're denying that he's directly involved. But now straight up, they've hacked Jeff Bezos. And there are a lot of good think pieces about this because it's like if Jeff Bezos is not safe, how can anybody be safe? Right, right. He's not only
0: one of the most powerful men in tech, he's also the richest guy in the world. You'd
1: also think that he'd have better security services than just like straight up using WhatsApp. But but I also
0: think that when you are that big, you have like that much larger of a target on your back. No, definitely,
1: definitely. Like, it, so first of all, these attacks can hit anybody, basically. Like, even he, exactly. he's not safe, but most of us aren't big enough targets for exactly. this. Exactly. But
0: I'm not a target at all, but I refuse mm, to. Well, I'm not yeah. as big a target as he is in any <laughs> near way. But uh, I'm also paranoid about my security. And it's surprising that he's not been.
1: Well, m- he has a whole security firm. Right. Like they, he's super paranoid, but. But this apparently, is crazy. WhatsApp
0: with MBS, you know. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, he WhatsApp. I mean, listen, sometimes you got to you got to chill with dictators. Sometimes you just got to you got to keep your business going. So, yesterday, Jeff Bezos subtweeted the Saudi government when he posted a a photo of him on Twitter at uh, Jamal Khashoggi's memorial. If your net worth could be a nation's GDP, you basically unlock the ability to subtweet an entire country. I really can't wait until Bezos and Zuckerberg are just subtweeting and sub messaging each other like that. That is that is the future world war. It's world war social. I mean, it's gonna it, be messy. It
0: just reminds me too much of Trump's tweets. So
1: yep, yep, yep. So of course this is a developing story, and we'll be covering you know whatever details emerge down the line. But uh, this is it's pretty wild, and I think it speaks to the state of cybersecurity today and the importance of. Not just people in power, but everybody being very, uh, very concerned about their security and also the sheer power of these hacks and of the the capabilities of this sort of spyware. Like this is high level stuff.
0: Absolutely. There's like super enterprising people out there, very intelligent, skilled people just working on how to crack security Mm -hmm. flaws uh, and and get whatever. So basically the, the moral of the story is just be extremely Big, I mean, extremely paranoid. Well, it's
1: also, I, the morals, you really can't do much. <laughs> like, yeah, you, yeah, if, if you're being exactly. targeted by the Saudi government, you're you're going to get got. Just um, take the blow. Yeah, but uh, I will point to, I had a great interview with Alex Gibney, the documentary director, about his Stuxnet uh, film several years ago. It was a while ago now. But he made a really great point where the power of these cyber hacking tools is getting to the point where they can destabilize governments. Mm-hmm. They can attack very powerful they people. It is basically the power of nuclear weapons, like the, the sheer amount of capabilities that a hack like this could, a, could accomplish. So he is pushing and a lot of people are pushing for the idea of basically treating extremely powerful hacks like this as like nuclear weapons, like something that should be contained, something that should be outlawed in certain ways. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense after this attack. So let's wind down a bit from that tale of corporate espionage, and it is is—it's just crazy stuff. Um, I, w- I want to shout out a couple things. I, over the past week, have been testing out AMD's new Radeon GPU, the RX 5600 XT, and this thing's pretty cool. It is going to be selling for around 280 bucks. It's going to get you 1080p gaming speeds beyond 60 fps it's like 90 fps and above which is really good for competitive gamers and people who have 1080p monitors so i really liked it i think it's a really great deal so go check out my review of that i'm also working on some coverage around the third season of cosmos so i've already chatted with androian who co-created that show and was carl sagan's wife She's also responsible for, you know, the Golden Records for the mm-hmm. Voyager project. So she, she is a very schooled person and maybe we'll get some other interviews in too, but hope to get that coverage out to you guys soon. What have you been working on, Sherlyn?
0: Though Well, by the time you're listening to this podcast, my HP Elite Dragonfly review will be up, <laughs> uh, which is also nice to note that both Devendra and I are using HP laptops huh. at the recording today. Um, I'm also working on some art and Sundance related coverage. We are, we've I've taken some demos, but it's really difficult for us to kind of like cover Sundance remotely. And it's not like we can be there right after CES. So it is.
1: I would love to go to Sundance, but it's also like, hey, come to this tiny mountainside. Very cold village and fight through crowds and lines to yeah. see. I would love to see the movies, but I, I have no will left in me after seeing us. Yeah,
0: so we're going to figure out how we cover Sundance from remote, um, but there's been some interesting projects that, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you will see on the site soon.
1: We typically cover the VR and interactive yes. stuff, so... I think more Tribeca, which is in April. Like, we really go hard in that because it's local. And there's a lot of cool stuff there, too. That and that's also
0: a Devendra and Sherlyn tag team. Tag team. You know that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun. Oh, we... yeah.
1: Maybe we can podcast from there. We might. So, Sherlyn, what has been giving you life? Because apparently... As we've been recording this, Sherlyn is just like creeping lower and lower to the ground. So she is, she is basically a corpse right now.
0: I am. And I don't know if my pick is actually giving me life or the thing that's sapping my life <laughs> juice from me. Because so, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast and listens to me in any way knows I just got a Switch. And I think it's been keeping me up at night because I play too uh, late maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Um So my recommendation, now that I'm a true... Switch gamer. Uh-huh. Um, this, this is everything
1: week. every every person with a console did like during yeah. grade school and high school. But Charlene is getting to it a little late. So I'm I'm it's not, a problem.
0: I'm not planned obsolescence. I'm suspended adolescence. So there you go.
1: Arrested Development.
0: Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, that's a better.
1: That's what it. That's the actual. That's term exactly for it.
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, um, speaking of Arrested Development, uh, the game that has lately tickled my fancies, I guess, is Pokemon. Mystery Dungeon team rescue which is Why Mystery officially-
1: Dungeon There's Why? a real Pokemon game I
0: know but well they what? don't have demos on for those games and I just played the demo of Mystery Dungeon because <laughs> I know it's kind of janky, but it's it's adorable. funny, Shirley, how
1: you got the switch and you're not you're not even switching right. You're not,
0: <laughs> Listen, I beat all of Overcooked Two. There's a too. real Pokemon like game right there. I also four starred some of the levels in Overcooked Two, which is incredibly <laughs> difficult to do. Just so you know. Um, but yeah, no. Um, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It's just funny. It's okay. These Pokemon, I name you can name your Pokemon. So I have a Pikachu, and a Shirkarita. And wow. uh, they are teammates in this uh, rescue squad that goes around like helping out, you know, Pokemon in danger. And they're adorable. They talk to each other like kind of like their boyfriend and girlfriend, but <laughs> not. And it's really awkward because my chicorita woke up one morning and her boyfriend Pikachu is just waiting outside a door asleep. Just like he's passed out in front of her door. And I'm like, that's the boyfriend I want. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the full game won't be out for a while, but play the demo if you if you want. It's again janky. It reminds me of the Game Boy version of the game where I had to like scout Victory Road or something. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's that's my pick. Uh, how about you, Dev? Well, what's giving you life?
1: I've been checking out Little America, which is the new Apple TV Plus show from Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. It is basically about the immigrant experience of America. And it's I think it's a beautiful thing to see. This is a thing that kind of just hits me really hard emotionally, too, because it's like the world is kind of divided right now. It is a little hard to see how an immigrant like myself can exist in this country when like straight up our president is does what he does and inspires such vitriol from his followers. So it's sort of like high maintenance, which is a great show that's about like the essence of life and does kind of tie into immigrant stories sometimes. Um, But, yeah, straight up about immigrants and, like, about the side of America that you don't normally get to see. Like, I love high maintenance, but it is very much like this is Brooklyn today. And it's a very multicultural Brooklyn, but it's a very specific slice of America that's not the same as, like, the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. I love seeing stories like when I go down to, you know, Georgia and Atlanta to visit my family, there are entire towns and cities that are just – filled with immigrants and it's kind of fun to see like um, there's towns where it's like it's a straight up there's a Korean barbecue joint on every single block and that speaks to like who's moved there and who's living there there are small suburbs that are entirely Indian immigrants in Georgia like to me that's the story of America America is a country made of immigrants so it's all pretty uplifting I think it's worth checking out
0: and that's it for the show today everybody thank you as always for listening Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at
1: at Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at SlashFilm.com. Uh, check out the SlashFilm cast there.
0: If you want to give me better names for my Pokemon, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter.
1: I don't think we can do better than what you've got.
0: I think I got pretty good ones. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. There might be a delay on Spotify, but if that's a problem, you complain to them about it. Or just
1: use a real podcast. Line. No, I
0: like Spotify. Anyway, come back next Next week for a fresh new episode.
1: By the way, I had to Bing Zune, which is what the hell? Bing, what the hell, Microsoft? Bing, because I'm on edge right now. So yeah, you're on edge. I had to Bing Zune to learn about Skype. I don't know, stupid Microsoft names.